You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. I'm going to be talking about believers' baptism today, water baptism. And it is a believer's baptism, right? Has no significance unless you're a believer. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The Great Commission is the instructional command of our resurrected Lord. It was a command given to his followers, his disciples, then and now, to spread his gospel to all nations. That is why we have churches. That's why we have missionaries and evangelists and pastors, and teachers, and prophets, and apostles to spread the news of the gospel. But do you know that the, it's spread mostly by the people who hear the news from the evangelists, and the teachers, and the pastors, and so on. And they go out and they share it with their family and with their friends. And every day, day in and day out, all over the world, there are hundreds and thousands of people coming to know Jesus Christ because somebody shared this good news with them. Water baptism is a symbolic burial by which the new Christian publicly declares that they have died to their old sinful nature and are now beginning a new life in Christ Jesus. Baptize is the English form of a Greek word which means to immerse, to place something under or into something else. In Christian water baptism, the believer is put completely under the water and then immediately raised out of the water. It's a physical picture of a spiritual transformation. It's showing that there is something taking place within my heart, within my life that I'm a changed man. 
Baptism is by immersion, and we see it happening a number of times in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 8, 39, Philip, the evangelist, baptized the Ethiopian. The Bible says, now when they came up out of the water. John chapter 3, 23. John was also baptizing in Aeon because there was much water there. If you're going to immerse somebody, you want much water. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, and Mark chapter 1, verse 10, Jesus being baptized by John came up out of the water. First of all today, I want to talk about a biblical basis for water baptism. Water baptism is a statement of faith. My old life is behind me. I'm a new person with a new life. It's a physical picture, a symbol of an inward experience that has already taken place. It don't necessarily take place when you are baptized, although there are many people, I know of many people. When I was a, a young man, a boy and a young man, we always baptized in the, in the salt water where I lived. And uh, uh, there were always a, a large crowd that would gather. Everyone in the community would gather, and, and sometimes they'd come from other communities as well when they heard you were having a baptismal service. And as the, there was always an a evangelistic message preached that day and, and, uh, and concerning uh, baptism as well, and many, many times people would just step out, give their heart to Jesus Christ on the beach, and go and get baptized right away. Water baptism pictures something that has already happened. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's what happened to you the day that you asked Christ to be your Savior. But if you haven't been baptized yet, you need to be baptized. We'll get to that. It's about death and resurrection. It's about Christ's death and resurrection. It's about your death and resurrection, your spiritual death and resurrection. Dead to sin and alive to Christ. It is symbolic of an inward spiritual experience. Death is the end of something. Water baptism is your public declaration of your death to sin. It is a public confession of faith. I have died to my old life and my old ways, and I'm now living a new life in Christ. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 to 14. Or do you not know that as many of us as are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? 
Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from dead, the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we will also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. We're not slaves to sin. I don't have to sin. There is no habit that I am a slave to. There is no addiction that I, as a child of God, am a slave to. I have power over these things. Jesus Christ has set me free, and the Bible says, when he sets me free, I am free indeed. Really, truly free. So I am doing something of my own will when I submit to those habits and those addictions. Because there's power in the blood. If he can't set you free from alcohol, then he can't set you free from anything. If he can't set you free from drugs, he can't set you free from anything. There is power in the blood. There's power in the name of Jesus. And so if you really want to be set free, Jesus will set you free. Got off on a little rabbit trail there. <clears throat> For he who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Jesus said, because I live, you shall live also. He ever lives to make intercession for us. So death has no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. Reckon yourselves dead because Christ died and rose again. Reckon yourself dead to Christ, dead to sin rather, and alive to Christ. Alive to God, Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Don't allow it. That is something that I have to do. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. I can allow sin to reign in my mortal body. I can entertain thoughts, sinful thoughts, or I can drive them out in the name of Jesus. So 
Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Amen. Because of death, you are free from your old master, the devil. Now you have a new master, the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know something? He chooses to call us friends. So we don't see him as a slave driver, a slave master. He has given us free will. We can choose to do what we like, and we like to serve God. We like to love God. We like to love on him. We like to share his love with others. We serve him out of love. Obedience to the commands of Jesus brings great reward. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Walking in obedience. Repent and be baptized. Jesus himself submitted to believers' baptism as an example for us. In Matthew chapter 3, 15, Jesus answered and said to him, that is to John, Permit it now to be so, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he allowed him. John was a little concerned when Jesus came to him and wanted to be baptized. He said, uh, no, oh, this is wrong. This is not right. I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus said, no. We've got to do something here that will fulfill all righteousness. I'm going to be an example that every one of my followers will do the very same thing. They will submit to Believer's baptism. In Matthew chapter 28, 19, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then, as I read before, Peter said, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, there are many conversion stories that are connected with baptism in the New Testament. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 41, the very first believers were Jewish. And that was at the day of Pentecost, and Peter preached that famous message. In Acts chapter 2, 41 says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, 
And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to the church. In Acts chapter 8, verses 5 to 12, Peter preaches in Samaria. And the Bible says that the people believed and were baptized. In Acts chapter 8, verse 26 to 40, Philip, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, Philip comes upon this man, he's reading from Isaiah, and he asked him, do you know, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I, unless somebody teach me? So Peter got up in the chariot with him, taught him about the word of God, and uh, he must have preached baptism to him because next thing he's saying, hey, look, there's water over there. What hinders me from being baptized? And Peter said, if you believe with all your heart, you can be baptized right now. In Acts chapter 10, verses 47 to 48, the Gentiles... A man named Cornelius in his house, his, Cornelius and his household, that means his children, his servants, everyone that was in his house were baptized. In Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 16, verse 15, we, we read of the conversion of Lydia and her household, and they were baptized. In Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 33, Paul and Silas baptized the, the jailer and his household. So everyone that believed, the next step was to be baptized. It's biblical. Now, there are many conversion stories in this room today, but seeing I've got the floor, I'm going to give you a little bit of mine. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Moms and dads, maybe your teenage son or your teenage daughter, or maybe they've gone out of their teens now and they're in their 20s or in their 30s or in their 40s or in their 50s, but if you've taught them some of the word of God, you've seen to it that they were in church and in Sunday school, you hold on to that promise. If ever parents had a reason to doubt that scripture, it was mine. I was brought up in a Pentecostal home, in a Pentecostal church, But I turned my back on Pentecostalism and became a United Church boy. Became a member of the United Church. I was a member of the Orange Lodge. Ernie knows all about that in, in Ireland. It wasn't very, very nice, but that's the kind of things you get into when you run away from God. My family and our little church prayed me into the kingdom. I was 
born into a Christian family, Bible reading, prayer was common, family devotions in the morning before we went to school. But there was a lot of opposition to the Pentecostal message in our town. Parents obviously passed it on to their children. The children would hear their parents talk about it, I suppose. And persecution was brutal for me as a little boy. The teasing and the abuse took its toll, and it wasn't just from the kids. I got it from the adults. I got it from their parents as well. So I became a very angry and a very bitter boy at a very young age. At the age of nine, I became born again. I felt so clean and so happy inside. It was on a, on a Sunday evening that I gave my heart to the Lord, and the next morning I woke up, and I just, oh, I felt so good, so clean. But after being attacked by a group of kids on a cold winter's day, they intended, their intention was to, they told me what they were going to do. They were going to strip me naked and throw me in the snowbank. So I cursed God. I said what they wanted me to say to escape the embarrassment of being naked and cold. I was so sorry and so ashamed. I, I didn't want to tell mom and dad. I could, didn't ever did tell them until much, I was much older. Didn't tell them what happened. But I didn't know John 1.9 that God would forgive me if I would just ask that the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin, that if I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sin. I didn't understand that as a young boy. I made several more attempts at serving Jesus, and it ended in failure. Most of my Walking with the Lord lasted for approximately one year. By the time that year was up, I was back into my old ways, and every time I, I, I backslid into sin, I was worse than the time before. Convinced by most of my teachers that I was stupid, I dropped out of school at 15. I had no desire to learn. I played the role of bad guy with five other young men, and no one opposed us. I wrote songs with disgusting lyrics, sang them, and the young people and the kids and the party guys loved it, and I was always invited to their parties. I was drinking more and more, not to be sociable, but to get drunk. When friends would bring me home because I was too drunk to walk, mom and dad quietly cared for me and showed me love and kept on praying. That lifestyle changed some when one evening of partying, it went bad. 
we found ourselves looking down the barrel of a fully loaded 303 Lee Enfield Army rifle. It was fully loaded, 10 magazine clip, and, the, and it was cocked. A little bit before that, a fight had broken out between one of the guys and another fellow. And uh, the guy who his brother got, got beat up, he went up to his room, came back down with his rifle. And he was pointing it at all of us. He never pulled the trigger, and somebody was able to grab the, the gun from him before he got it shot off. I'm sure glad that somebody was praying for me that evening. A while later, the old gang began to break up, and some got married, and others were doing some serious dating. It was about that time that Effie came into my life, and I opened my heart to let one more person in. I always say there wasn't a half a dozen people outside of my own family that I cared anything about. My heart was filled with hatred. I didn't care about people. On May the 1st, 1964, Effie Juanita Lockyer became my wife. She was God's special gift to me in answer to the prayers of my family and my church. We were madly in love. And I'm glad to report to you It'll be 53 years in May, on May the 1st, and we're still just as much in love. When Dennis, our first child, was born, I became concerned for his spiritual well-being. So we agreed that we would send him to Sunday school with my mom and dad. However, before he was old enough for both Effie and Old enough to send them with my mom and dad, both Effie and I were serving the Lord. We were taking him to church ourselves. Effie came to the Lord first, and then after some kicking and screaming and dragging my heels, I became a Christian as well. That evening... Effie had a new husband, and Dennis had a new dad. However, God did a great work in our lives. God took the hatred and the bitterness out of my life and filled me with love. That was a miracle in itself. You see... When you're brought up in the Christian faith, although you allow yourself to get into a place where you're full of hate and bitterness, when you decide to turn to Christ, you know what you have to do. You know that if I'm going to serve God, I got to live in forgiveness. And so almost immediately... I forgave those people, and I chose to love them. 
I have long since learned to forgive those who wronged and abused me. You say, well, Pastor, it couldn't have been much, you know, you were just a young boy. Listen, you hear people talking about abuse. Some people fall apart, fall to pieces over it. But if you want to talk about abuse, I've had it. You want to talk about physical abuse, I've had it. Not from my family, in my community. You want to talk about sexual abuse, I've had it. Not from any member of my family, but in the community. And all of those things that hurt and ruin hundreds and thousands of people, most of the, the counseling that Effie and I have done probably in our lifetime has been people whose lives have been broken and ruined by such things. And you've got to choose to forgive that stuff. Because when you choose to hold bitterness and hatred in your heart, you're hurting yourself. That wicked person that did that to you couldn't care less how you feel about it. And the old enemy wants to use that as a club over your head. Don't let him do it. That summer, Effie and I were baptized in the Atlantic waters of Placentia Bay, Newfoundland. There was a soft rain falling, but no one seemed to mind. The pier and the beach were lined with onlookers. And I was making a statement to my community. As I walked out into the water, the people began to sing, and they had piano accordions. And they began to sing following Jesus every day by day. Nothing can harm me while he leads the way. Sunshine or darkness, whate'er befall, Jesus, my Savior, is my all in all. I was making a statement before all of the people. And when I came up out of the water, they were singing another song. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. All things are passed away. I've been born again. More than a conqueror. That's who I am. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. I was saying by my baptism, never again will I sing those disgusting songs and tell those filthy stories. Never again will I be involved in fights or someone bringing me home drunk. Never again will I be mean to my wife, and I was mean to her. And she gave her heart to the Lord, and I didn't want any part of it. I was mean. 
but that wouldn't be anymore. I would treat her like a lady and love her with and respect, treat her with love and respect that she deserves. My baptism symbolized that the old Hayward is dead and buried in Christ. As I rose from the water, I rose to live a new life that Jesus had given me. I'm a new man in, with a new heart and a new attitude, a new hope and a new future. And somehow that baptism made these things more real in my life. Gave me a better understanding of what had taken place when I asked Christ to be my Savior. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what he does for us. And so you ask me today, number three, is water baptism really necessary? The simple answer, my folks, is yes. Baptism, water baptism is necessary. There are five basic events that take place in your salvation. They are combined events that mark conversion in the New Testament. First of all, you hear the word. You hear the word of God. And you hear things like this, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your faith grows when you hear the word of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so having heard that you are a sinner... You need to repent. Romans 6.23 For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. John chapter 3.16 God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And as you begin to hear these things from the word of God, faith arises within your heart and you find the place to believe it. And when you believe it, you realize you're a sinner and you confess your sins. So you hear the word of God, you believe the word of God, you confess your sins, and the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So then, after you have confessed your sin, you repent. 
And repent means you turn away from that sin, you stop sinning. You'll trip up and fall flat on your face a number of times after that. But you, you do not practice sinning anymore. You don't say, well, the grace of God is so strong that I can do anything. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to shack up with somebody or I'm going, to, I'm going to go out and get drunk. I'm going to have a party. I'm going to sow some wild oats. I'm going to do all those things. No, 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 no. That's presuming on the grace of God. If you do those sort of things, you're going to find yourself in hell one day rather than in heaven. Is that strong enough for you? It's the word of God. So you repent. And then after you have confessed your sin and repented, you stop sinning, now you want to do something else. You want to be baptized. It's an act of obedience and a testimony of what God has done. Acts chapter 2, 38 then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Listen, folks. Why did they include this in every salvation as recorded? What makes us think that if this is the way it started in the church, that it's not necessary now? So if I hear the word and believe and confess I'm a sinner and repent, I'm born again. And then I will obey the command to be baptized as a public testimony of a spiritual experience that has taken place in my life. So why should a believer be baptized? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ commanded it. We don't need anything else. We always seem to think that we've got to have a list, you know, to try to convince you. But this is the only necessary knowledge that we need. Jesus commanded it. And back again on the baby thing. I know some of you got smart babies, but they don't have the ability to, to repent at infant age. Maybe by the time they get five, four or five, but you can't make that decision for them. We have got to make a decision for Christ ourselves. When Effie gave her heart to the Lord, that wasn't any good to me. She couldn't repent for me. My mom and dad would gladly have repented for me. But they couldn't repent for me. They couldn't confess my sins. So the Bible is very clear. 
repent and be baptized. The early church practiced it, number two. And our identify, identification with Christ requires it. Romans 6, 4, Therefore we are buried with him through baptism unto death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in newness of life. Being baptized is a command from God, not an option. Let me say that again. Being baptized is a command from God, not an option. It is an act that God requires of every believer. Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be dead. Somebody thinks because that don't go on to say, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth and is not baptized shall be damned. Because that is not included there, they think, well, maybe baptism don't count. Don't fool yourself. Are you listening? Jesus' call to believe on him includes a command to be baptized. So, in conclusion... Ernie, it is inconceivable to think that a Christian, knowing the command of Jesus to be baptized, would refuse to do so. There's a lot of people that don't know. There's a lot of people that have been, been taught religiously that when you were baptized as a baby, that's it. You're a Christian. That is so far, so far from the truth. Baptism is a personal decision. No one can make that decision for me. No one can make that decision for you. You decide to dedicate your children to the Lord, not baptize. And they will decide to be baptized when they decide to repent of sin and be born again. You see, Jesus wasn't baptized when he was a baby. He was dedicated to the Lord. They brought him to the temple. He went through the ritual of circumcision. You repent and become baptized, immersed in water. Just as Jesus did in command and commanded that we would follow his example. You never read of an unbaptized Christian anywhere in the Bible. Try to find it. In Acts chapter 19, verse 17, is the closest we can come to. And this is what it says. It happened while Paulus was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper region came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, when you, were, when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard 
whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying that the people, that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, listen to this, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then Peter, when, then Paul laid his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. The apostles didn't see it as something to be delayed or put off. When they went everywhere preaching the gospel, they preached baptism. Repentance and baptism usually happened on the same day. The Ethiopian asked Philip, what hinders me from being baptized? Let me ask you today, what hinders you from being baptized? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that your word is truth. Holy Spirit, give revelation. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Anyone wants prayer this morning? We would be glad to pray with you. Prayer team, come and line the altar. And anyone who wants prayer, as we go back into worship, Let's let the Holy Spirit do his work. Amen. You don't know the Lord is your Savior. Come to him today. You need to be baptized. Get your name on the sheet. Amen. Praise the Lord. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.